You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. Heavenly Father God, um, we uh, just come before you, Lord, knowing that you have our best in mind. You have what's best for us. And I pray that as we, um, as we listen to what you have this morning, I pray that we would be challenged and we would be, uh, have open hearts to what you have for us, your truth, the way that you see life. We pray in your son's name. Amen. All right. So there I was, eight years old, Christmas morning. Staying at my grandma's house, because we always had to sleep over at my grandma's house on Christmas Eve, Christmas morning. That was our tradition. You wake up, you bolt out of bed because it's Christmas morning. The Christmas tree is decorated. There's ornaments, there's tinsel, there's lights. And my grandma has uh, has woken up early to prepare a meal. There's omelets, there's fresh toast, uh, there's chashu bao, which is a Chinese barbecue pork bun. And yeah, right? It was good. It was good. And there's fresh squeezed orange juice. But honestly, I didn't care about any of that because, of course, I'm eight years old and I want to get to the presents, the gifts. And so I'm, you know, I'm eagerly waiting. My brother and they were eagerly waiting. We're like, come on, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Everyone wake up. Everyone eat their breakfast. Come on. And so finally it happens. It's time to open presents. And I've got, you know, a small mountain of gifts there uh, ready to be unwrapped. And I, you know, grab one. I pull it open. It's a little one. And it is the Tiger Electronics Animaniacs little video game system. I don't know if any of you remember those, okay? I had to have those because I was not allowed to have real video games yet. And so I was very excited about this. I opened up a bigger one, and oh my gosh, it is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Battle Wagon, okay? It's, it's basically a van decked out in pizza cannons, and this, I think, started my love affair with minivans. Um, <laughs> yeah, you laugh, but sliding doors, y'all, sliding doors. Um, I opened another one, and I'm excited, okay? It's, it's a little bag, it's like, okay, maybe it's a gift card or something, and it's, and it's socks. It's socks. Who gives an eight-year-old socks? I, and I'm trying to, like, hide my disappointment, of course. I'm like, it's socks. I had a two-page Christmas list, and, like, you know, in, like, tiny 12-point font, and, and socks was not on this list. I did not really want socks, because socks is, it's clothes. I have tons of socks. My parents buy me socks at Walmart or Target. I don't need to go buy socks. You could have given me a video game. You could have given me a toy. It's a Hot Wheels, something shiny, something cool. But no, you gave me socks. No one really wants socks as a kid. But fast forward to when I'm, you know, 25 or 30, you open up a Christmas present, and it's socks? That's a good present. That is a good present, right? It was like, socks, thank you so much. Steve gave me, like, a pair of Star Trek socks, like, three pairs of Star Trek socks, like, two years ago. I'm like, whoa, this is awesome. Like, socks are great because, okay, I don't have to go to the store again. My socks are totally getting worn down, but I didn't really feel like going to the store to, you know, spend a couple bucks to go get it. This is great. This is practical. Thank you for thinking of me. Sometimes we receive gifts, right? And in the moment, it doesn't, it's like, oh, yeah, thanks, okay, okay, sure. But then you gain a little perspective. You gain some more maturity, and you realize, no, that's, that's actually a really good gift. And we get to see gifts for what they are. And God has many gifts for us. But sometimes we get these gifts, and we're like, eh, okay, God, sure, I guess. I don't really see how this is a gift. But God wants to change our perspective. God wants to change how we see some things. We're in this series called Built for Connection, a relationship series. And last week, Jody started us off in, the, of course, the only one place that we really need to start, which is our relationship with Jesus, right? 
Jesus is our number one primary relationship, and all our other relationships need to be defined through that connection. Okay, I, I, I love um, the, the metaphor of kind of like putting on Jesus lenses. Like, you know when you put on sunglasses and, you know, you're, you're, you're using it to block out parts of the sun, so it's like not so bright in your eyes, but the whole world turns a little bit darker, right? Everything changes a different shade of color. Um, and that's what I think what Jesus lenses can be like. It changes the way we see the world. Uh, this week, I had the honor of being invited by Marvel and Disney to go watch the premiere of the Loki TV series on Disney+. Plus. Um, I'm on this kind of specialized list of uh, Marvel fans, and uh, we get invited sometimes to go to these premieres and see it before uh, it, it first comes out. And um, so it was a big honor, and I actually got to see two episodes. Uh, so I, I've seen, if you, if, I know a lot of you have started it, and you've all watched episode one. Don't talk to me, because I know what happens in episode two. And I have spoilers, and I can't wait to talk with you, but I need to shut up right now before I spoil something for you. Um, but they invite us there because it's also publicity for them, right? And so they invite us there because uh, mainly the, most of this group are cosplayers, and I'm a cosplayer. I, I love wearing costumes and uh, making costumes and doing these incredibly nerdy things. And so this was actually the first time that I got to really cosplay since the pandemic. Like, I haven't actually worn my costumes uh, in like over a year and a half. And honestly, it felt really good to get back in that spandex. Um, and I'm like putting it on over my legs, like that squeeze, of like air squeeze is like, oh, hello, my old friend. It's like, ooh, like, yeah, this is good again, this is good, okay? You feel awesome. Um, yeah, I know, pictures, right? Anyways, um, yeah, 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 there's pictures, there's pictures. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I wanted to wear something a little bit simpler because um, I wore my Sentinel armor one year to a premiere, and that's like, impossible to watch a movie, and it's terrible. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to wear my Cyclops uniform, okay? My Cyclops uniform. Cyclops is my all-time favorite Marvel character. If you don't know uh, Cyclops, he's the leader of the X-Men, and his mutant power is that he can shoot concussive beams out of his eyes, okay? And in order to control them, he has to wear a specialized visor with his uh, material called ruby quartz, and it's red, and uh, it blocks it and lets him control these beams. And so, of course, I'm wearing a visor over my face. And so when I put on my visor, the whole world turns red. Like, everything is red, okay? All the people are red, all the lights are red, all the buildings are red. Uh, of course, I took it off to watch, to watch the, uh, the TV series. But, like, the whole world just turns red. And when we put on uh, glasses, that, that's what happens, right? Sunglasses or a visor, if you happen to do that too, then the whole world changes color. When we put on our Jesus lenses, the whole world changes. The whole world changes. Not for the worse, because obviously when it's all red, it's really hard to see. But with Jesus, we don't see the world as the world sees it. We see the world as Jesus sees it. And we have to keep that in mind. Are we going to put on our Jesus lenses so that we can see what he sees? And what he wants us to see this morning is, again, a gift. A gift, but it's the gift of singleness. Hmm. Singleness, okay? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, um, God brought me to the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, and actually some of chapter 6. And it's an incredibly long and dense uh, piece of scripture, and we do not have time to go through all of it. There's just lots in there, lots of 
questions that could be asked. Um, and so I would love if you have a chance to go and read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 7 and just soak it in. Because there's a lot of stuff in there that's like, whoa, this is kind of crazy stuff. Um, but a little background on this is that Paul is basically answering questions by the Corinthians. There's been some sort of discourse before this uh, book of the Bible, and he's now answering some questions that they may have, some that have to do with um, sexual morality, some that have to do with relationships, and Paul's doing his best to try to answer their questions as best he can. And in the background, there's some sort of issue going on in Corinth, some sort of, uh, it may be a famine, uh, there may be a heavy poverty, maybe a persecution. We don't really know exactly what's going on, but there's a big issue going on in the background. And Paul is concerned that, that all these Corinthians are being like, oh my gosh, this is all going on, how are we going to withstand this? And he wants to encourage them that they need to take their eyes off the temporal off the temporary, off the world stuff, and move their eyes to what is big, what is holy, what does God see? Okay, so that's sort of the background of what he's trying to do here. And again, there's a lot to go over in this passage, but I want to hone in on uh, Paul's kind of theme verse on singleness here. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 7 through 8. And he says this, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has a particular gift from God, one having one kind and another a different kind. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is well for them to remain unmarried as I am. Well, as far as we can tell, Paul never married. Okay? By the time he was uh, actually you know, executed, he never married. We have no record of, of him ever getting married. And he says to them, I wish that you could all be unmarried like me. Now, he does concede that he says, okay, but this isn't for everyone. Everyone receives their own gift. And so what he's saying is that marriage is a gift, and also being unmarried is a gift. Both can be gifts from God. But he considers his celibacy and his singleness a gift from the Lord. So God views, it ended up in the Bible, so God views that singleness can be a gift. It can be a gift. And it ought to shape how we view it. And it comes with blessings and challenges. But we need to see it from God's point of view. Now, singleness encompasses, of course, a wide range of people. Everyone in this room has been single at one point, or is single now, right? Okay, if you're single, I don't mean to put you on blast, but raise your hand, right? Or, yeah, right? right? All the single people, all the single people, put your hands up, right? Okay, so if you look around the room, we have a wide variety of people, okay? If you're not married, you are single. You have people who are young, some that are a little older. And you have people that are maybe dating, no relationship whatsoever. Uh, I don't think we have any people that are engaged here. Um, and we have people that have uh, come into singleness because of maybe tragedy. Maybe their spouse has passed away. Or they're single because they've gotten divorced. That happens too. And so singleness encompasses a wide range of people, each with their own dynamics and complexities. And unfortunately, we can't get into all of that you know, in one Sunday morning. You know? um, but I do believe that God has something specific that he wants to show us, and that is the gift of what can happen during singleness, but it's also a gift that all of us can access as well, okay? So I want you to keep that in mind as we kind of go through this. Now, singleness has kind of had a variety of different opinions, right, throughout, throughout the world, uh, throughout uh, society. Sometimes the world views singleness as a good thing, as a gift, right? Because, oh, if you're single, you don't have to be tied down. You don't have the old ball and chain waiting for you at home. Happy wife, happy life kind of thing. No, no, no. It's just me, myself, and I. 
I can date around, I can go party with my friends, I don't have any, have any attachments or commitments, I can just have fun, take you know, my relationships or whatever as far as I want. Uh, and of course, you look at today, people are getting married later and later in life. They want to focus on the career, become financially stable, buy a house themselves. And there's nothing wrong specifically with those things. But sometimes singleness can be viewed as, all right, there's no rules, no restrictions, no one have to worry about me, and I don't have to report to anyone else. I can just do whatever I want. So singleness to the world can sometimes be a gift. But on the other side, singleness has been sometimes viewed in a negative light. And if you look at all those categories, dating, single, widow, divorced, they all are in a relationship to marriage. Marriage is sort of the focal point of that terminology. It's kind of interesting. It's as if marriage has been, has been cast as the primary goal. It implies that, oh, if you're married, then you've made it. Okay? And you've reached a sort of destination by getting to your wedding day. And as such, singleness carries a sort of negative stigma. Singleness, when compared to marriage, becomes a place of deficit. Oh, you don't have a wife. You don't have a husband. Singleness can sometimes be considered a place of unfulfillment. You're missing something. Singleness can be a place of transition, which in itself can be tumultuous, full of insecurity. And so singleness becomes a place to escape, something to graduate from. Somehow we strive for this, to, to leave this, this status, and of course that can lead to feelings of not being enough, feeling unloved, not measuring up. You guys remember the story I told uh, a couple months back when there were girls in high school and they were rating all the guys in the room, like, and they rated me a two. Obviously, I kind of felt like I was unloved. Like, you know, I wasn't after them or anything, but I was like, okay, well, that kind of feels bad, right? And I thought about, you know, uh, all my female friends in high school when, you know, they were all guy crazy and, you know, like, they were kind of listing out the criteria of what they were looking uh, for in a guy back then. One of them, she was like, I only want to date a guy with buff arms, and me, high school me definitely did not have buff arms. I weighed like 115 pounds. One girl said, I will only date tall guys. It's 5'7". That's about average for back then, but definitely not tall. I only want to date white guys. <laughs> nope, not that one. I will only date someone who's really cool. Ladies, I like Star Trek, I like Marvel, and I like Star Wars. Am I ahead of my time because this is 1999? Yes, I'm ahead of my time. But will that get me a girlfriend? No. I did not meet those criteria, and I'm sure many of us have been in that boat where we did not meet the criteria of the uh, opposite sex that we were interested in. And uh, yeah, it, it kind of hurts sometimes, right? You can have those feelings of, I feel unloved. I'm not worth it. I'm unworthy. I don't measure up. And when the voice is in your head, or maybe the counsel from the outside says, you have to change. You, no one wants you. You have to become more desirable. There's something wrong with you that can eke into our brains. The feelings of isolation and loneliness, fear of missing out, a constant worry, and anxiety that you may never find the one. Many of our cultures place a premium on finding a mate and bearing children. So there's this cultural pressure that we face all the time too. You know, how many of you have been at like, you know, a family dinner and it's like, so have you met someone yet? It's like, mm, that's, that's tough. Our media our stories, our movies, our TV series, romantic love is such a prevalent theme in them. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a good Disney movie. If you start playing A Whole New World from Aladdin or Love is an Open Door from Frozen, there's a 95% chance that I'm going to sing along and sing all the guy part harmonies. I will do this. There's no stopping me at that point. But this whole happily ever after 
Find your prince, find your princess, even finding your soulmate in this kind of grand destiny sort of idea, the knight in shining armor paradigm, it's kind of warped the way of our thinking. And we've placed romantic love on a pedestal, so much so that I think for oftentimes it becomes an idol for us. And I'm not saying that romance is bad and dating is bad. My wife is in the room. I can't say something like that. I don't believe that, okay? But there's a premium placed on finding the one. And when you don't have it, whether it's said or not, those feelings of missing something creep into our psyche and our soul. And unfortunately, maybe even in the church, this has become the case. I think if we're honest, in much of the church and in our culture, there's been a focus on marriage. Okay? Again, marriage isn't wrong, of course. But there's been this focus on it that I've heard from many of my single friends that they felt invisible or ignored by the church. When it becomes such a focal point that their self-worth starts being based on this idea that they need to get married. You know, we've heard that, you know, it, it, that God is using marriages, and of course he is, for the kingdom, right? He's using them for the kingdom, but then where does that leave the single person? Am I unqualified? Do I not have something to contribute? We look at church life and they have classes on, you know, we were in our marriage, we have marriage class on Friday. We have classes and books on strengthening marriage, raising children, marriage counseling. All those things are good things, of course. But when it comes to singles, sometimes it feels like there's only a scrap or two of ministry left. And maybe to the church, that sort of temptation and the trap of sex outside of marriage, well, then singleness becomes something to escape is a danger zone that one needs to get out of fast. And there's a rush and a pressure to get married. I've heard messages to single people that have said, oh, you just need to make yourself more godly and God will bring you a spouse. As if, oh, if I just do this, then God owes me a spouse. But when that doesn't happen, it causes disillusionment and disappointment. And it carries with it the undertone of then you're just not good enough. Then you didn't have enough faith. Then you didn't repent hard enough or something like that. I think very often singles have felt, whether on purpose or not, whether done in a direct way or a passive-aggressive way, or maybe just an assumption based on their culture or in their own mind, singles have felt often like second-class citizens in the kingdom. As if by not having a ring around their finger or a spouse to share life with, there is something less about them, that they are looked on as less than by their friends, their family, by their church, maybe even Jesus himself. In college, uh, I roomed with six, um, or with five other guys, and, and, and it's one of these, it's these friendships that, like, even though we all live in different areas of California now, it's these friendships that can be picked up, uh, really, just like that, and, and I love these guys to death. They're all brothers in Christ, and uh, you know, we would always kind of egg each other on in, in college about who was going to get married. And one, one guy got married, like, pretty soon out of college. And the three of us all got married back in t- t- uh, 2011, all within, like, six months of each other. And then there were two guys left. And we would always kind of ribbed them a little bit. We're like, hey, so have you found anyone yet? You get married yet? Anything? You got a girlfriend yet? And even though we could all laugh about it, I think deep down inside we kind of knew for those two guys it would kind of eat away at them. And, and, and I actually had to repent of that. And I had to be like, you know what? God, you know, that's not necessarily what God has for you, and that's okay. And us making fun of you, that's only going to deepen your insecurities. And I actually had to repent of that. Because these feelings of loneliness and anxiety coupled with purposelessness 
and averted eyes and awkward conversations, it can eat away at us. You know, I've seen too many of my friends walk away from the church because someone who wasn't a believer made them feel more loved and cherished than the church did. Or maybe even the church made them feel loved, but because of that outside pressure that they felt, they walked away and, you know, decided to go with that other person because it was just too great. And, then, and you know, Satan basically derailed whatever God was doing in their life. We have all these messages and narratives about singles, all these different things. Is it any wonder why we have so much anxiety about what God wants? So I really feel like we need to stick to what God sees. What is his perspective? And, and obviously, if you're single, you may have a different experience. You may have experienced some of that. You may have experienced all of that. I don't know. But again, I want to I introduce this idea that God's singleness as a gift. There is something good about being single. Okay? Because after all, Paul was never married. Jesus was never married. John the Baptist was never married. Jeremiah, Mother Teresa, Henry Nouwen, Diedrich Bonhoeffer. All these people did amazing things for the kingdom, and they never had a spouse. And I believe that God wants to give us this gift and let us see it as a gift. And he wants us to unwrap the negativity that has been put around it. Singleness in the kingdom can be a gift. But how? Hey, we need to see how. So Paul says this in, in a follow-up to a statement about it being a gift. He says this. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 32-35. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the affairs of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about the affairs of the world, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried woman and the virgin are anxious about the affairs of the Lord, so that they may be holy in body and in spirit. But the married woman is anxious about the affairs of the world, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to put any restraint on you, but to promote good order and unhindered devotion to the Lord. So Paul gives us um, gives this image of how single people... They can, when they're following Christ, they can be singularly focused on Jesus. Devotion to the Lord. He says, I don't want to put this, I don't want to make this a rule. I don't want to, you know, hold you to any restraint. But when you're single, you have basically full access to Jesus. Jesus has full access to you. When you're married, he basically says, if your spouse goes through something difficult, you know, and, you know, they're going through a tough time, something happens at work, something spiritually, they go sideways, whatever, you kind of have an obligation and the care to chase after them and take care of them. But that can often get in the way of what God wants to do uh, in your life. Okay? That, you know, there is a sort of truth as harsh as it may sound, right? Case in point, family life can be kind of chaotic. A couple weeks ago, I was trying to, you know, study and get prepared for this message. And I did not get very good sleep because my son had, was having sleep issues. He was also peeing in his bed. And he peed in his bed, and he woke up, and he was very upset about it. And, and then my daughter, who was also sleeping in the same bed next to him, uh, she has eczema, and she was, she was scratching herself in the middle of the night, and she actually made herself bleed. Um, and so she was upset, and then Ethan went back to sleep and then kicked her in the head uh, accidentally. Um, and then she woke up again. They were all screaming at each other and, and screaming at me. And I was trying to get them back to sleep, and it goes on and on and on. And it gets to like 4 or 5 in the morning. I'm like, I'm delirious. I need sleep. And I finally get like 2 or 3 hours of sleep. I wake up. I'm like, okay, today Today's my day to work. I'm going to try to get some work done. But of course, it ain't happening because I'm dead tired. And so I'm like, okay, I need to go take a nap. So I go lay down for a couple hours. And now Kathy was going to take the kids to go, uh, go swimming at their cousin's place. And so I knew that, okay, when I wake up, there's going to be some good, solid time. I can get some studying done, get some preparation done. This is going to be good. Spend some time with Jesus. This is going to be good. 
I wake up when Jennifer wakes me up. She says, uh, Kathy took the kids to the pool, but while you were sleeping, several things happened that we need you to take care of. Number one, the toilet is plugged. Okay. Surprisingly, it wasn't me, but the toilet is plugged. Uh, and we need to, Kathy's been working on this for like an hour. She's got a blister on her hand, and uh, she's now gone, and it's still plugged. Can you take care of it? I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, I can unplug the toilet. And also, um, what if Addie's sleep diapers has somehow made it into the washing machine and has absorbed fully all the water and has now exploded and all of the absorbent little beads that are in a diaper have gone all over the clothes and all over the washing machine and the entire load of clothes has all this stuff covered in it and we need you to take it out. And in order to get it, I looked it up on like, you know, ask.com and it's like, okay, what you have to do is you take it outside and you have to beat them one by one, like old days, like I'm drying it, but I'm getting all this white sudsy stuff off of it and it's getting all over me and it takes like an hour and a half. Single people probably don't have to deal with that kind of thing much. <laughs> not too much, I think. Maybe the clogged toilet, right? But the rest of it, not so much. There can be some chaos in our family life. When you have kids, it is often hard to find time to spend time with Jesus. Honestly, when you have young kids, you can barely poop in private, right? In one's household, there's multiple people. There's multiple preferences, personalities, emotional well-being, cultural baggages, life stages all rolled into one. It can be messy. Now, again, we're not saying that this is bad. Okay? The Bible does not say this is bad. Okay? Paul's not saying you should not get married. You shouldn't have a family. But he is saying... That when you're single, there is sometimes a little bit less to deal with. There's less on your mind from, your, from a possible family. And with it, you have an opportunity to focus on what is vitally important. And that is your devotion to the Lord. 35. I say this for your own benefit, not to put any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and unhindered devotion to the Lord. Singleness can be a space, maybe a time, maybe a season, maybe a whole life that can be devoted to Jesus. This is what Paul discovered, that he could be simply devoted towards Jesus. Oftentimes with the added chaos of the family, and yes, there certainly can be chaos. If you see in my family, especially the little girl, there can be chaos. One can more easily find that rhythm with God and develop discipline, patterns, customs, little rituals for yourself. Spend time with Jesus so that you can grow deeper into his presence. When you're single, you have this opportunity. Singleness can be a gift because we have more unfettered, unfiltered, and uninterrupted time and space to spend with Jesus. Just you and Jesus. Now, of course, we all need that, okay? But for married people, it might be a little bit harder sometimes to find that. We do need to prioritize that, and it is a challenge for us, okay? But this is vital for all to grow our devotion to Jesus, to spend time in the Word, to be praying, to be meditating, to worship. We need to spend time there and find a life where we can be devoted towards Christ. Are we going to take that opportunity? Are we going to, to use this time that God's given us? Now, here's the unfortunate and honest truth, that when we say, yes, single people, you can spend more time with Jesus, it kind of feels like a consolation prize. Because when we think about it, especially in our culture, we often place that romantic love over our spiritual life, right? We don't think, oh, yeah, thanks, spend time with Jesus, yay, okay? Um, last week, I think, yeah, last week we took communion, and 
those little communion wafers, right? They're terrible. They're terrible. We all admit it's terrible, okay? Now, when I got my communion cup uh, before service, Addie came up to me, and she was like, ooh, snack. And she, like, totally tore it open and, and took my little bread piece. And honestly, I was like, that's fine. <laughs> that's kind of fine. Uh, and so when we took communion, uh, we, uh, Kathy and I went uh, with Pam and Steph, and, uh, and Pam saw that I didn't have my wafer. And she generously ripped up half of her wafer and gave it to me so that I could partake with the bread and I'm like, thanks. I didn't really want one. I'm okay. I can enjoy bread another time, and, and that can be uh, my communion. Yeah, but then sometimes Jesus can feel like that. It's like, oh, okay, Jesus. Yay, okay, cool. You know, are we looking at romantic love? Yeah, that's a 10, but Jesus is a 2, right? right? That's sometimes what it can feel like because of our culture. Maybe it's because Jesus isn't physically here. Maybe because it isn't romantic. Okay, the church tried to make it romantic. They had this whole dating Jesus movement a while back. Honestly, I kind of find that kind of creepy. Um, I get the point, but you know, I don't really want to put Jesus in the same category as our romances because Jesus is so much more than that. Jesus is so much more than romance. Okay? Will we learn to treasure the presence, the companionship, the peace of the Lord? Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, but God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated up with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in the kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Does this sound like a, oh, thanks, kind of gift? No. Jesus is the ultimate gift. When we have this kind of revelation about our relationship with Jesus, we can see devoting ourselves to Jesus as a gift. This focus on Jesus and building and growing deeper in him, that is a gift. We need to move our view of singleness not as a place to escape but as a place, or a place of deficit, but as a time of opportunity to grow in what is really important. The, the Apostle Paul found this. And he says in Philippians 3.8, I regard everything as a loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have, I have suffered the loss of all things and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Our relationship to Jesus is the greatest relationship we can have. There's nothing wrong with getting married. There's nothing wrong with being single. Paul flat out says this in, uh, in, in, uh, in this same chapter. Okay? There's nothing wrong with either of those things. But the question is, will we view our relationship with Jesus as the highest thing? Will that surpass even our marriages and our singleness? Is Jesus going to be our number one? When we concentrate on building our relationship with Christ, we realize just how deep and all-encompassing his love is for us. We understand that all the pressures of the world don't hold a candle to what God is offering us. We can grow our trust in him that no matter what happens, no matter what relationship we have, he is what we need the most. Psalm 16, 7 through 11, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful one see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is our Jesus. 
This is our God. That's the kind of relationship we can have with God, to have that kind of revelation, that kind of understanding in our very souls. And that can satisfy us. And we can trust what God is doing in our life. Even if he doesn't bring us a spouse in our life, we can trust that God has what's best for us. We have unity and communion with our creator. This is a gift. The one who saves, the one who makes us whole, the one who accepts us no matter what, who cleanses us, who sees our grand potential. This is a gift. If during your time as a single person, you struggle with loneliness or purposelessness, that, that, I don't even know if that's a word. He wants to transform our loneliness into solitude. Okay? And there's a difference between loneliness and solitude. Solitude, of course, is still being alone. But in Christian terms, solitude is being alone with Jesus and alone with his peace, alone with his joy, alone with his grace, alone with his love. And that is enough. That is enough. It's like we've always had the key. It's been with us the entire time. We may think, and the world may say, that, oh, you don't have it. But you do. God has what you need. God wants us to grow in intimacy with him first. And knowing this truth, cultivating this relationship with God, for the one who is single and seeking after a deep relationship with Jesus, you will find breakthrough. You will find the growth you are looking after. To know that we are not defined by our lack of one particular relationship. Rather, we are defined by having the one true relationship. We are not defined by our loneliness, but rather we get to treasure the opportunity to, cu- uh, to cultivate our relationship with Christ. We can shrug off the view of the world, even past church experiences, that tell us we are lacking, not good enough, and shunned. But instead, we can rest in the peace that we are truly and deeply loved and enjoyed by Jesus. In our singleness, we don't have to act out in our insecurities by chasing after whatever else the world has for us, We don't have to feel any rush to get married. In our singleness, we don't have to chase after, uh, you know, sex or anything else like that. We don't have to. Rather, we can grow and solidly solidify ourselves. We can solidify our identities in Christ so that if and when the time comes, we are more prepared to be married and raise kids. But even if that time doesn't come, we can find satisfaction in knowing that Jesus is my full hope and joy and purpose. We can be secure in knowing that Jesus is the one relationship that truly is enough. Now, again, I'm not saying don't date or court or whatever you want to call it, okay? I'm not saying don't do that. Okay? Paul himself said there's nothing wrong with wanting to get married. He says there's nothing wrong with staying single. But if we do date, our motivation should be towards finding a husband or wife, not dating around casually for fun or pleasure or sex, Hey, uh, we don't have enough time to go through an entire sex talk. <laughs> um, that's an entire message in itself or more. Um, yeah, yeah, sex talk. Thank you for coming to my sex talk. Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, okay, so I just want to say a couple things. Um, somebody's throwing me off here. Um, you know, it's, it's not enough to trumpet what I think we've all kind of heard as youth that sex is bad. You're impure if you do it. You could get pregnant. You can get an STD. Once you do it, you can never go back, right? I think we've all kind of heard those things. I heard those things growing up. And I think those messages hold some truth, of course, but they're really based in fear and shame. And I believe God wants us to think about it a little bit differently, okay? And I want you to know that if you have had sex out of marriage, outside of marriage, you are not irredeemable. You are still truly and deeply loved. You are not beyond redemption, Of course, we are called to repent of it, but you are not beyond redemption. Not at all. 
I believe that Jesus wants us to have open and honest conversations about our sexuality. Open conversations about the pain, about the struggles. Those are real, okay? This is a real thing. And we need to be open and understanding. And God wants to have a complex and robust understanding of what God's best is for our sexuality. The world has turned sexuality into something to be sought after and then discarded, okay? More about the pleasure and the feeling and the performance. You can find another partner if it wasn't good enough. Or if you weren't good enough, they can just throw you away too. It's become a consumeristic model. And our sexuality is based not in just a physical need, but in the need to connect with others and find a safe place of belonging. Indeed, the Bible tells us that sexual union between two people is actually two whole people joining together, their very souls coming together. Th that's what it truly is. And we bring with it our anxieties, and we expose ourselves, and it's knowing another person. So when we place that kind of intimacy into a consumeristic model where rejection just happened just like that, it opens us up to even more loneliness and cycles of sin. This is why God has designed sexuality for a marriage commitment, where there is that firm commitment and covenant made. Now, of course, single people still have the need to connect, right? We still have this need to connect. Connection is vital to who we are. The first connection that we need to have, of course, is Jesus. It is the gift and that security and peace in knowing that we don't have to spiral into other places to find our self-worth. To know that all those other things, the things that we chase, that doesn't compare to Jesus, and that we can have everything that we need in Christ. But the other gift that we get is the church. While it is, of course, true that Jesus is enough, God did not design human beings to simply be alone. Church, all people want to connect, even, you know, especially now more than ever as we're starting to come out of the pandemic. It is vital that we as the church take advantage of this time and this opportunity to connect with people. Connect with people. We have a chance to demonstrate that, yes, no matter what, no matter what relationship status you have, you have a place in the church. You have a place in the kingdom of God. Jesus wants you in his family, and he made a way back for you. That was for you. We have a chance to show this, that you can find purpose, meaning, and calling, as well as finding the deepest relationships in not only Jesus, but authentic relationships in the church. In the church, we remind each other that you matter that you can be united with us and you can be united with Christ. But to do that, we have to engage. We have to engage one another in connection. We have a chance to do this, to talk about our deepest pains, the highest joys, the harshest struggles, the greatest successes. But we have to be willing to do it. And I think if we're honest, sometimes married people sometimes have a little trouble connecting to single people. And sometimes single people have trouble connecting to married people. Hey, there's this sort of awkward barrier, but we need to see those come down. And we need to remember that we are all united in Christ. God has designed each and every one of us to be part of the body. We are each important. We each have needs to be met. We each have our own past. We each have our own purpose. God wants each and every one of us, no matter what relationship status we find ourselves in. Because if we don't, someone else will. Someone else will. The world has all these pretty things around us whether it be a job that's going to suck the life out of someone, whether it's going to be a, a non-believer who takes them into another romantic relationship, friends who only want to go skin deep, social media, all these things can suck us into another place where God does not intend us to be. We need to be firm in making relationships with each other. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for, for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. 
But woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. We are here to lift each other up, encourage each other, walk each other through those tough times, walk each other through those insecurities. Be Jesus to one another. That's the opportunity we get. Are we going to take it? These are friendships that go deep. That's what the church has to offer us if we take the opportunity to go there. Okay? There's nothing wrong with us shooting the breeze, talking about the Dodgers, talking about Loki. Okay? We can do that, absolutely. But God wants us to go deep, to talk about real life. I don't know what God has for you. I can't guarantee that God has someone planned for you. I don't know the future. If it's something you desire, I will pray for you with that. I absolutely will. Heck, if, if you're looking, I have other single friends outside the church who are Christians. I'll, I'll put you on a blind date if you want. Okay? Nothing wrong with that. But I do, knew, I do know one thing, that Jesus has more for you. Jesus has more for you. And that is ultimately what we need to strive for. If you are single, you have the gift from the Lord and a chance to deepen your relationship with him right here, right now. God has more for you, and he wants to give you more of himself. You are a gift. He is a gift. And he has more gifts for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you have so much for us. And God, the world wants to warp our minds to all these other places. But God, you want to see with your lenses. So God, open up our hearts to your spirit. Open us to what you have for us. May we see the greatness, the grandness of just a relationship with you. May we know that we can be fully secure in everything that you have for us. And God, I pray for any of the lies that um, have been plaguing people, any of the struggles that they may have felt. God, would you chase those away, wash those away, Lord, with your love, with your grace, and replace it, Lord, with you, with simply you. We love you, Lord. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Um, if, if you have had any of those struggles, if you're still struggling with, with feeling any of those things, um, some of the leaders will be up here uh, after church if you need prayer. We'd love to pray with you through that. Um, I want to ask Jody come up. Oh, yeah. Do, do a couple more things with us. Well done. Awesome. So I hope for all you married couples, you're able to take some nuggets out of there. Uh, for as many times as singles have had to Listen to uh, us preach on marriage and husbands love your wives and wives respect your husbands. And, you know, we, there's a absolute need for us to value and honor what God is doing with young people and singles within the life of the church. And so, yeah, well done, Brett. Um, we have a couple things uh, that we want to do. And we, there's a couple of prayer opportunities we, we want to take. And so I want to invite up Ezekiel and Chloe and Eliza so um, Ezekiel, Chloe, and Eliza are leaving this Friday. They're leaving for eight weeks. They're going to be going um, to do an internship with Anthem Church. In, uh, it's, a, it's a worship internship where they're going to be kind of polishing their skills as, as worship leaders. And, and so we as a church have, uh, you have, as a church, have, have blessed them. And so I want to thank you all. You guys can give um, an applause to yourself. You guys have sponsored them to go. Um, so we, 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 we put out a request and we got some very, 
um, significant um, donations that covered um, their room and board as they go and, and even some money to put in their pockets to, to spend while they're there for two months. And so uh, thank you guys so much for, for those generous gifts. But we want to pray for them and bless them before they go. Um, so I would love to invite up um, Pam and Steph if you can help us pray. And then elders, um, deacons, if you guys want to. Oh, Steph, Pam, Pam's over there, yeah? Okay, that's okay. Yeah, if you want to get her, you can. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you guys come on up and then get some leaders up. We want to pray. You guys, please stand. We're going we're gonna to pray for them and just bless them. Francisco, you want to come up and uh, pray with your girl? So how many of you guys uh, appreciate our worship team and appreciate what they do for us? And um, Yeah. So listen, we, it is our privilege to send them. It's our privilege to send them to uh, an amazing church uh, that that's, um, Steve and Deborah Sutherworth lead in Chicago. Uh, and it's, it's just going to be a blessing. I really believe they're going to come back just blessed and equipped and ready to do some new things uh, in the area of worship. And so we just want to pray. And No, 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 we want you to pray with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much for, for these faithful servants, Lord, for Eliza and Chloe and Ezekiel. Lord, thank you for this, this spiritual household who has blessed them, who has blessed them personally, who has taken out of their own finances to, to um, uh, sow seeds into, into their spiritual futures. And Lord, I pray you bless those who gave, gave to this uh, uh, um, group of people to um, be able to be equipped. Lord, bless them above and beyond for their generosity. But Lord, as they go to Chicago, Lord, I pray, Father, that they are able to focus on the task at hand, God, that they're able to focus on, on the skill of worship. They're able to focus on, first and foremost, their relationship with you, God, that they're able to, to pour in, in, into that relationship, receive from you things that they have never received before as they're uh, um, separated from their normal world, God, that they will meet you and have deep encounters with you in Chicago. Lord, I pray that as they are equipped and poured into, Lord, that they will just bring those buckets back and be able to pour those things out upon us as a church family, Lord. I pray they hear new things. Lord, I pray they see new things. I pray they experience new things. And Lord, I pray in the future, Father, that they will do new things. In Jesus' name. Does anyone have anything that they would like to pray or share that's up here? Yeah. Um, Lord, I just, um, I pray, Lord, that their hearts would just have fertile soil. Um, God, that you would just uh, prepare their hearts, God, for all that you have in store. I thank you, Father God, that um, you're, you're a father who loves us so much that you don't give um, with a, in a small way, God, but you have more than they can ask or imagine in store for them. God, I pray that you would bless their obedience to say yes. Um, and I just, I pray that you would just open up their hearts and open up their minds to the more, God. The more that you have in store, God, activate dreams. God, activate songs on their hearts. God, use them, God, to even bless the city of Chicago, God, that wherever their feet would step, God, they would bless them. 
God, I thank you the, just for the, the wonderful power, the powerhouses that stand before us right now, God, that are going to um, bless those around them, God, and just um, be used in such a fresh and new way, God. I thank you that they're an extension of us, God, as they go, God, and I pray that even as they're away, our hearts, God, would actually be prepared for the more that you're going to bring through this fresh anointing that's going. Um, so I just pray, bless them, God. God, you see exactly what they're needing and asking and the faith seeds that they're sowing, God. And I pray that you would meet them in such a beautiful way, God. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for just uh, being faithful, Lord, that faithfulness, Lord, of wanting to sharpen skills, Lord, hone in, Lord. But, Lord, also uh, just that thing of just a new season, Lord, just fresh wine, Lord, uh, new wine, Lord, being poured into uh, these young souls, their young spirits, Lord, and being a fresh, uh, new wineskin, Lord, new capacity, new anointing, uh, new skills, uh, Lord, just, uh, just hearing your voice, Lord, being, uh, just being able to just engage you, Lord, uh, more, Lord, knowing you more, going deep in you, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, for that thing of just uh, intimacy in you, Lord, uh, what you are just uh, pouring into them, Lord, and Lord, and also what they're pouring out, Lord, what they're releasing out, Lord, uh, capacity, anointing, Lord, gifting, uh, skills, Lord, talents, Lord, uh, being used, Lord, uh, being uh, to the fullness, Lord, of what you have called them into, Lord. And I just pray that, Lord, over uh, these young three, Lord, but also, Lord, over the worship team, Lord, that it's a new season, Lord, a fresh anointing, Lord, over all, Lord, that they all be, uh, begin to just drink and go deep, Lord. Uh, Pam, over you and Steph, uh, just you guys just begin to drink deep and just go deep in just what the Lord is pouring into you guys. Over to everyone on this worship set, Lord, that, Father, that there's just a pouring out of your love, Lord. And your spirit, Lord, that is allowing this team, Lord, to just be sharpened, Lord, going deeper in you and the fullness of you, Lord, knowing you, making you known, Lord, knowing you better, Lord. Just that thing, Lord, just spirit of wisdom, Lord, just revelation, Lord, just by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the spirit of David that is upon Zeke's life. He is the warrior and the lover of God. I thank you, God, that like David, he has humbled himself under your mighty hand and received the discipline of God. And I thank you, God, that he is doing that in great power and great humility and that you are going to grow him. As, as low as he has gone, you will grow him higher. I thank you for those attributes that are in his life. On, they are evidenced, and I thank you, God, that as he yields himself even to this season of serving and being taught and being teachable in his spirit, I thank you, God, for a greater work even to be done, for even more, that he will see even more of you, God. I thank you for that heart. I thank you for your heart on Chloe, God. I thank you, Lord, for the leadership that is so clearly evident in her life, her ability to organize and coordinate and administer. There is a leadership on her life, and I just pray, God, that she would not shy away from it for any reason, but that she would be bold and she would walk in it because it is something from you, God. These are not gifts that we can just make up. They're either in us or they're not. And I thank you, God, for that gift that is on her life and that you would give her courage to administer and to walk in that leading wherever she goes as she does. I thank, that, thank you for that in Jesus' name. He is faithful to those 
who's, who diligently seek him. And I believe this is a season of God's faithfulness on your life. And Lord, I thank you for Eliza, how she has grown so much and she has allowed you to grow her. She has yielded even with such boldness. It's been beautiful the way that she has stepped in boldness. But I see the lion of the tribe of Judah within you, Eliza. And he wants to roar out of your life. He wants to roar from your mouth. And we have heard it as a congregation. We have heard it many times. But we want to hear more of the Lion of the tribe of Judah that is within you. And I thank you, God, as she is brave and yields to the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would just be in awe, God, of of what you're going to do with her life and with the music that comes out of her life. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. They would all just go in boldness and in courage in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. We love you guys. Yeah, they, they leave on Friday. So please be praying the, uh, Friday morning, like at five in the morning or something like that. So let's be praying for them. Um, so stay up here, everyone, if you can. Um, um, you guys can either blend into the crowd or you guys can step down if you'd like. Uh, but we would like to invite up Ben and Jesse. Yeah, yeah. So, unfortunately, we have bittersweet news about Ben and Jesse. Um, ben and Jesse moved up to East L.A. Um, they were following um, some doors of opportunity the Lord had opened open to them for career and came up and uh, um, Jesse was teaching. Uh, ben eventually became teaching after some after school programs that he was a part of. And I, th- I think that's correct. Yeah. Um, and then um, obviously um, we've seen Ben uh, on the worship team and blessing us with, uh, with his um, talents that the Lord has given him. Um, but unfortunately just as, as careers have shifted and, and as our hearts are leading them um, kind of back to San Diego where um, is is their um, home region and where family is and and another door of opportunity for careers open so Jesse just interviewed got the job and so God's going to be opening up doors for them again back in in San Diego and so uh, with bittersweet news this is their last Sunday with us and so we we want to bless them uh, we want to love them uh, and and continue to pray for them we are so thankful for the time that we did have with you um, grateful for what you did deposit into the life of our church and and obviously, we wish we had more time and were able to do more. But, hey, we, we trust the Lord that his doors are, are big. His plans for your life are significant. And so uh, we'll continue to love you and have amazing thoughts about the Concepcions while you guys are with us. And, uh, man, obviously, if you're, if you're ever in the region, we'd love to, to see you and know that we'll still be family. Um, so we want to pray for them. We want to bless them. And then we'd love for you guys to come up and, uh, hey, say goodbye. Um, it, it, they, I think they're going to be in town till the end of the month. But next week's Father's Day, so they'll probably be with their family. And then after that, they got to start packing up and moving. So if I can get, get you guys to extend your hands. Um, yeah. Does anyone feel led to pray? Um, Lord, I just want to thank you for this couple. Um, God, I just want to thank you for um, what they've brought to our church um, just in the short time that they've been with us. Lord, I just want to um, pray your blessings over this couple as they uh, move back down to San Diego. 
Um, God, I thank you for the doors that you're already opening. Um, I thank you for the work that you're already doing in their hearts, Lord. Um, I pray for more in this season. God, I pray for a stretching, Lord, for this couple. Um, I pray for um, a deeper foundation, Lord, um, uh, a sturdier foundation in who you are. Uh, I pray for new revelation for both of them. Um, God, I pray for uh, more of leadership um, in their lives, God, um, leading others to you. Um, God, I pray for a boldness um, to, to just be Jesus to whoever they meet in their workplace, Lord, in these, uh, this new um, arena that they're going to be stepping into. God, I just pray for your favor. I pray for your anointing, Lord. I pray for your peace of mind. Um, and I pray for just a warrior spirit to just be within them. Uh, Lord, just thank you for Ben. Thank you for the friend uh, that he's been to me. Uh, God, I thank you for um, just the blessing he's been to our worship team. Um, just a, a, a kind soul, Lord, uh, just a great guy. God, I just pray blessings over him. Uh, Father, um, I just pray for um, just more wisdom, Lord, um, in leading this marriage. God, I thank you for um, just the humble guy that he is, Father. I pray that he would humble himself more so that you would bless him more. In Jesus' name. We just pray for the, the new career for Jesse, God. Lord, I pray, Father, that uh, it's all that she desires it to be. Lord, that there's no catches, that she hits the ground running, and, and it just be everything um, that she has studied for, had passion for. Lord, I pray that she is blessed by those she works with, blessed by the children that she will be serving, um, blessed by the community, God. And Lord, I pray for this marriage. We bless them, God. I pray that as they grow in you, even some of the nuggets from today, Lord, that there's this opportunity to grow in you as a couple and that they will seek your face above all else, Lord, that they will seek your kingdom and that in, in the career they will find their kingdom value, Lord. In, in, in their community they will find what their purpose is to, to reach souls and to reach lives for you, Lord. I pray a blessing over them. We send them with our hearts and with our love. And Lord, I pray, Father, that they land in a soft space, that they find great community down there that will saturate them uh, with, with this koinonia that we are trying to develop, this partnership of the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, hey, um, yeah. <laughs> Just a, a small gift from us just to tell you guys we love you. And, uh, hey, why don't you guys, if you get a chance, come and say bye to them. And uh, that's going to be the end of our service. We love you guys. We'll see you uh, this coming week. Have a great week, couples. We'll see you on Friday. If not Father's Day, next Sunday, we'll see you guys then.